ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. Hey guys, I sat down with Ben Myrie of Wildlife West. We get into our 2018 Catalina Island hunt, California hogs, and talk a little conservation. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Ben Myrie. Ben Good evening, man. I appreciate you sitting down with me. Um, yeah, and taking Absolutely. some time. Welcome. Why yeah. You? Good to uh, good to good to talk to you again and uh, go over things and talk about the lifestyle we love. Heck yeah. So I'm gonna let you uh, take us right into this, man. Why don't you give us a little intro and some background on yourself? Uh, so I, geez, I've been in the hunting business. Well, I'm 50, almost 51 now. Started uh, guiding professionally when I was 21, but had been around the business since I was about 15. My dad guided and my cousin kind of on a ranch in New Mexico kind of got me going in. I used to hang out with everybody and be there as the hay boy and the skinner and packing and doing all that kind of thing. So it just seemed kind of a natural fit to go that that way. And uh, so I came to... Um, it was actually kind of funny. I during high school I'd I'd uh, work on this ranch in New Mexico and and uh, kind of got my feet wet there and and uh, so after high school I went to school in Arizona. Went to a tech school. I think a lot of people went to tech schools in Arizona, and uh, it just wasn't the right fit for me. It was in computer electronics that kind of thing. And I go, yeah, this I can't live in the city. This isn't going to work. So <laughs> so. Somehow I just got, uh, my cousin in New Mexico hooked me up with this guy in California, multiple use managers, uh, Wayne Long. And he hired me to come down to, uh, Dye Creek Preserve, which is just out of Red Bluffs here on the east side of the valley. And 
So I went there when I was 21 and, and was with them for almost 10 years guiding pig hunts and deer hunts, turkeys, and uh, got to go to Santa Rosa Island, guide elk and deer out there. And I think kind of during those years I worked for them, we'd have anywhere from 10 to 12 different properties, anywhere from California, New Mexico, uh, Colorado, Alaska. So I got to live out of a, a duffel bag and and uh, do what a lot of guys dream about. And it was pretty fun. And so did that for, yeah, like I said, 10 years. And then went through, uh, while I was doing that, kind of chipped away at a college degree. And four-year degree took me about eight years to do, but I got it done. <laughs> and I uh, got a degree in biology here in, in Northern California. And then um, quit working for them and wasn't sure. What I, w- I went to work with another friend of mine just doing habitat work on a couple of ranches here in Northern California, wetland work and upland birds and that sort of thing. And then Catalina came along and uh, another outfitter had it. And this was back in 1998 and uh, his, his company was going to take care of the deer hunting out there. And so a friend of mine was supposed to guide for him. It didn't work for him. And so they said, Hey, do you want to come out? So I went to work for him in 98, 99 and 2000 and guided deer hunts out there for about, we were there about two months in, in the fall. And actually back then Catalina still had a few pigs on it. So we did shoot deer and pigs. And, and so that all came to an end in 2000 for him and so they shut the hunting down for a couple of years and I had been able to meet a few people out there. So 2002, I get a call and, um, they said, Hey, we're thinking about starting Catalina back up. Are you interested? And so at that point I had a business partner, um, Jim and, and they said, yeah, yeah, check. Yeah. We'll come out there and check things out. So we did. So that's where it all started back in uh, 2003. We had our first season on the ground out there as Wildlife West. And so we went um, from 2003 to 2008 and then um, took a little break. Uh, The hunting got a little rough. The economy is rough. Most every year we'd book up all of our hunts. We were running anywhere from 120 to 130, 30 hunters through there in a season. And, but 2008 kind of economy kind of turned down a little bit and the conservancy kind of wanted to try their own thing. The Catalina conservancy wanted to try their own hunting operation out there. So they gave it a run for a couple of years and then decided to uh, turn it back over to the professionals. <laughs> I might say <laughs> it, was, it was, we made it look pretty easy. And when they took it over it, it was a little harder than, than they thought it, yeah, than they thought it would be. So since then, we uh, so that we came back 2011, and um, since then, I I bought my partner out, um, and so my wife and I and kids <laughs> have been going out there every year since then. So this will be uh, this coming up in 2019. I think that'll be 18 years for me guiding out there on the island, and uh, my kids have they started in well really little out there and they've went every year we go out there they've been through uh grade school and uh chase now he's going in he's in high school now so so it's kind of a 
family thing we do and everybody goes and goes for a couple months and do our thing and everybody jumps in and works hard and my wife and I do the take care of things and I get a couple guides that work for me that's been with me a while so kick ass it's kind of a family deal and it works good yeah yeah it's it's a pretty fun deal I mean it's not fair that we make money having fun so <laughs> but we enjoy it yeah, yeah it's uh it's interesting hunting there so so f- just so to fill everyone in, I had the opportunity uh, last season, 2018, to get on uh, to get on one of those hunts with you. Um, and probably, not probably, it, it is probably in my top five. One of my top five hunts in 20 years. Um, just enjoyable, man. Just being on top of the island and sitting there, you know, glassing for deer. Um, and you're surrounded by water, man. It is just... There's, I don't know what it is. It's pretty just unique. Yeah, just something very unique. And it sounds cliche as hell, but something magical about it. Um, it was just, <laughs> yeah, just a it great is. experience, man. Yeah, I mean, we have the island's 48,000 acres, and uh, we have access to about 40,000 of it where we can hunt. So we come and go wherever we please on those acres. And so we can really show people places that, most people don't get to see, you know, just going out to the island. It's just unique in that respect that we get to go where we want to go and jump off and go hike and go hunting. So yeah, it's, it is, it's, it grows on you and it's, um, I understand how guys, you know, sometimes during those hunts, you know, in the middle of the season, we're like, boy, we get tired and you get drugged down and guys show up and they're amped up and ready to go. And you realize, I mean, guys living in the city and, going about their busy lives you get to come out there and experience that and it's it's a pretty neat deal and and for us it's a great thing just to get to be able to guide and do that and and uh i enjoy it i mean there's no way you could do that for 18 years and not enjoy that so um you got it you it's got to be in your blood because the, the hours are long and the days days are long but you still you look forward to getting out there and and now over the years, just there's so many clients that repeat every year. They're, they're friends of yours you've been hunting with for a long, long time and you enjoy their company and, and getting back out there with them. And they know it's special too. That's why they all come back. So, And, and it's a unique, in its own respect, it's a unique deal, right? So you, you started talking about the conservancy trying to manage that. Um, it's rough. There's no predators on yeah. the island outside of us. Um, the pop is so... yeah. Plus, when you hear somebody hears, oh, 48,000 acres are taking, you know, X amount of deer a year. Um, but the management's super important on yeah. that island, right? I mean, they're, they, they're oh, everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the key to it. There, there are no predators. Uh, and then you get the only thing that really affects those deer out there besides the hunting and the natural aspect is the weather. If we don't get the rain for a couple of years, that really reduces the seed and that has an impact on them. But, then you get a year like we had this winter and they will rebound really fast because <laughs> every doe will have twins and they'll both make it. So you got to keep the pressure on them or they, I mean, they can be hard on the habitat and we know that and the conservancy knows that. So that's why we work with them on that to create a good balance there and, and keep the deer numbers in check. Otherwise they can take off pretty fast and um, no one likes to see um, starving deer. I know people come into Avalon and, and see those deer that live in town. And those aren't the same deer that we're hunting out there in the middle of the Island. They're, those are kind of, I always call them the welfare, the welfare, the welfare deer because they're, they're, 
they're eating lettuce and bread and those kind of things. So they live right in town, but you get out on the Island, those deer are pretty healthy. And, um, but you got to keep them in check with, with no predators, no disease. And the winters aren't tough on them unless there's just no rain. So, so, um, so yeah, the management is key out there and, and we take almost as many, we try to take as many does as we do bucks. Um, each hunter has that option to shoot a buck and a doe and, and that really helps the population. I mean, it helps the quality of the bucks just to keep that balance there of not just shooting bucks only because pretty soon you're just going to get an imbalance and that proves to uh, not work too well. So, um, uh, you know, taking both helps. I lost my train of thought, man. I was, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking I, I just get snapshots of, of when, when I was there, man. Um, and I, yeah, we just talked about the water tank offline yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it, and it goes, and it goes fast for you guys. Cause you're there for a half day, two full days and a half day. It's a quick trip. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It, oh, that's what I was going to say. You were talking about it, it. You know, it's some long hours. You guys were 4 a.m. to 11 p.m. Every day, man. Pretty every much. day. Pretty much. Yeah, we get the, you know, especially when we get there in, in mid-September and get started, it's, I usually pop out of bed about 3.15, 3.30. We go down and get breakfast going for the guys, get them up and going, and we're out of there an hour before daylight, get out there where we want to hunt. and um, So you hunt for a few hours, whatever it takes in the morning. You might have a little lull in the middle of the day and take a break, have some lunch, maybe go to the beach, hang out, and then keep hunting till dark. And if you get animals then you're skinning them out and then, and processing them up and, and get home, get some dinner. But yeah, usually it's uh three thirty, four o'clock to 11. Yeah. That's pretty much my normal schedule. <laughs> yeah, some long days. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, like I said, man, one of the most enjoyable hunts I've ever been on. I mean, it, it, we're not advertising folks. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm talking to Ben and Ben's running it and I enjoyed the hell out of it. That's why we're talking about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But man, to wake up, it's a great experience. It's, oh my God. It's, and it's great for the guys from Southern California that I have a lot of clients now that used to go to Colorado or Texas or Wyoming and they drive for a couple of days here and there to get there and they can jump on a boat in Long Beach in the morning and be out there in mid afternoon. We're hunting. And, you know, and they're getting as good a quality animals as they were going, driving for two hours, two, two days, one way and two days back. And, and, uh, and time is valuable to people nowadays, you know, you, you don't want to eat up all that time. So it's great for the guys in Southern California to come out there. They know it's such a great thing for them and, and unique. Yeah. It's, a, and it's, it's, it's just a different. It's, it's the last island left. It's, there's, um, Santa Rosa is done. So Catalina is the last island of the Channel Islands that has, has any animals left on it. So hopefully, you know, it's, you never know what future is going to bring, how long it'll be there. But while it's there, we'll hopefully be there and keep hunting. So how so, did that 2018 yeah. season, man, how did that look for you guys out there? You know, it turned out good. I was, you know, we had the drought. I was a little spooked. I always am. <laughs> And uh, I'd been out in the summer, last summer doing some deer surveys so I could kind of see what was there at night. Um, the Conservancy every year we do spotlight surveys, kind of get a population estimate and see where the deer are, that sort of thing, and see how healthy they are. But, 
you know, we've been working on keeping the deer numbers down a little bit, which was good for the drought. So it kept the health, the health of the herd was good because some of the bucks, we took some really nice bucks last year that I just wasn't expecting to get that had some mass to them. You could see a little bit, you know, they'd get real heavy at the bottoms and then some of their points wouldn't get real long just because I think they kind of ran out of the, the food they needed. But overall, they were fat and healthy and, you know, they're going to take care of their body first and their antlers. And uh, it was it was a really good season. We took some bucks that rivaled anything we've taken in the past. So um, it was a good season. It was and now the phones, because I've had some guys, you know, once you get out of the loop out there, it's hard to get back in because the guys get their spots. And I always give the, the previous year's guys the first chance to come back. And uh, I've got guys calling now that were there two, three, four, five years ago. And they're like, hey, uh, they know it rained a lot, so they know it's coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be some nice bucks this year. <laughs> there's a lot of, lot of rain this winter, so... <laughs> That transfers through to really nice animals. <laughs> when I was there, so the, I think it was, uh, no, it was the week after or the hunt after I was there. I saw a couple of the pictures and there was some, there were some remarkable bucks taken that following, yeah, the following you were the, trip. You were there right around Halloween, I believe, or right before. And uh, that next, next hunt, yeah, we got in some pretty, pretty good deer. And it happens. I mean, we, Sometimes in the very beginning, we take some really nice bucks, and then at the very end, you just never know. It's just hunting. Um, we hunt, hunt as hard as we can. We're Us guides, we're looking for the big ones, too. We want them just like you guys do. And, um, the rut kind of changes every year here and there, but uh, you just never know where you're going to find it. But, yeah, we, we took some pretty really quality deer. Yeah, it gets the phone ringing off the hook when you – put those on instagram <laughs> heck yeah that well we were kind of talking about it but the uh the one that i caught uh buck fever on man it was probably the, it was probably the biggest <laughs> ruddiest nastiest buck uh i've seen in a long time man and i caught the shake so bad and uh, <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't do it it was like a 200 and 213 yard shot down to that that tank area and he was on he was on a doe <laughs> And there was another buck, a smaller buck in a bush, and he was just head down and just sat. I mean, it was just he was dead, man. And uh, I just couldn't get it together. <laughs> Could not get it together. Tom's going, shoot him, shoot him. Tom, I can't. What do you mean you can't shoot him? I can't. I can't stop shaking. <laughs> That's what it's all about, though. Oh, if you don't have man. that in you a little bit, it isn't worth hunting. Oh man, <laughs> get to quit. <laughs> But he was, that buck was about. huge, man. He was, that was a big buck. I actually think I, my, the, I think it was the second picture you posted with that following group. I think that was the buck, um, an older oh, gentleman really? took him. Yeah. I mean, just from what I remember when I saw that picture, I go, that's that damn buck. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, I, that happens a lot. <laughs> that the one I always you, tell guys, I go after, after they miss. Or and or mess up on things, I'll go. Hey, I'll send you a picture of him next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt, man. But the the buck, the buck that you put me on, man that that dude had that that broken left side where it looked like maybe he had broke while he was in velvet and mended together. So he had that real hard angle. Oh man, I just love that thing. And yeah. the one side kind of looked like uh, almost looked like a white tail on the right side. It was really, I mean, just super yeah. symmetrical. It was crazy. 
So he's very, very unique. Yeah, we get, we get a lot of the character of a lot of those bucks is just crazy. Of Some get the whitetail look and some get the real traditional mule deer look. And we have a buck that have one side looks whitetail and the other side's mule deer. It's just kind of crazy that way. And the real dark chocolate antlers some of them get just uh, make it pretty unique. Yeah. The deer, you know, they, as the best that we can tell, and I have documentation that I got from Fish and Game years ago. Back in 1928, there was a 19 deer came from the Angeles Forest. And then the next year, they brought down a buck and two does from Modoc County, actually, up in northeastern California. And put them out there. And that's the only written documentation we can find. I've heard rumors of whitetails, but I've heard all kinds of rumors on things out there. So those are that's what's been documented that was put out there and and did their thing. So I usually get the question, hey, are those black tails? And I said, no, these, they're just a California mule deer. And, uh, and that's what they are. But we get some good ones. And, you know, not, a, not everybody's going to get the big one. You know, there's a lot of fork and horn shot. And there's a lot of guys that they just want to come out there and have a good hunt. And and some have been coming for, geez, I got a couple guys that have been 15 I have one guy that comes from Huntington Beach area there. He's except for maybe missing two years. So I think he's been out there 16 years with me. So, um, and he's taken some big ones. He's taken some small ones. He just enjoys the ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I said after, after I blew it on that bruiser, man. Uh, I said, well, if I had <laughs> worst case scenario, man, I'm a, I'll take a dough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take a dough. Yeah. Well, guys go, all right, that's it. I'm fine. Okay. I had my chance. You yeah, put me on him. I'm exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But man, what I, yeah, I can't yeah. say enough about that whole experience. And then that damn cheese bread bowl that your wife makes is oh heavenly. <laughs> I know. Good. I try man. to lose weight out there and I used to, I have to really make an effort because I come in and there's bacon wrapped jalapeno, oh. Oh. jalapenos and the, cheese dips and all that said just go hey this isn't gonna work <laughs> you could just stand there by that little by the little hors d'oeuvre area she has man and fill up and then you you know bust out the big old dinner spreads and the giant steaks and yeah it's first it's first time. yeah yeah make everybody uh gotta feed them enjoy the trip yeah absolutely yeah so how many do you know how many but, deer you ended up taking off the island last year um, last year we shot right at 150 deer out of there. It was about half bucks and half does, a couple more bucks than, than the does. And then when we're done out there in December, the local, uh, hunters, the guys that live on Avalon, they get a chance to go out and hunt. So they'll end up taking, oh, you know, anywhere from 40 to 50 deer a year off there also. So and that's been about pretty much what we've been running the last geez quite a few years that at that pace and you'd think you keep hitting it like that that it's really going to knock you down but they're still there every year so there's you know some years a little more some years a little less but um the quality's always been there and everyone gets their opportunity to i've never felt bad where i told a guy hey uh you can come back next year because you just didn't get a chance at a deer you know because they've had they everybody gets their chance at a deer and we don't push it it's not a trophy hunt by any means. It's just a deer hunt. It's a management hunt to control population is what it's about. So, 
Um, yeah, nobody the guys come out there and nobody that was there with me was very picky that I know of. Yeah. And most guys aren't, I mean, there's very few guys that ever just like, Nope, if I don't see what I want, I'm not shooting it. That's they, they, they know what it's about. It's, it's about, you know, management we need to take deer off the Island. So, um, if they come every year, they're going to, every once in a while, they're going to get the big one. And, and a lot of people, they just want the experience. They want the meat too. You know, it's part of their life to go home and feed the family, uh, venison. So, yeah, what a, um, that's a blast, man. I'd, I'd recommend anybody, uh, over there in a heartbeat. If they can get in one of those yeah, open it's, spots, good luck. <laughs> yeah, if, if I can get an open spot for you, <laughs> I, and, and I got that lucky. is the tough part. <laughs> I, I fell right into that, man. I mean, that when I got that call, do you want to go hunt Catalina? I laughed and I said, "Is that a real fucking question?" <laughs> I've been wanting to hunt Catalina for seventeen years. I mean, you're was, really asking that, huh? Yeah, I, I was just like, man, I'm there. What, you know, what do I have to do? I think that was like a. Yeah, might have been like a Monday or Tuesday, and I think I was on the boat on Thursday or something like that. It was just, yeah, yeah, and lucky. and then that evening we were kind of wrapping things up. We got your buck, and so you and I finished that one out, and Tom grabbed Raul and headed off down the hill and tagged finished another one. Yeah. So we finished out that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. Uh, yeah, we saw a lot Never of deer. grinding. That's yeah. Some yeah. of them. Yeah, no, and you actually just get, had. You get it. I'll take that statement back. There was a guy that got selective um, on a buck. That was my ass because we <laughs> we had one. <laughs> I think it was on the first morning, and uh, he was with two does. In on that, I forget the name of that back area. Oh, I can't think of it. Dang it! Like Salta Verde or somewhere yeah, back in there. Yeah, that's it right there. That was it. And yeah. uh, he was yeah. a little. He was pretty small. And I said, you know what? It's I told Tom it's the first morning, man. Um, we went up and we watched him a little bit. Then we walked up on one of the ridges towards the back there. And, uh, you know, we never saw anything bigger. And I said, well, let's, you know, I'll take the chance on it. But I think the first yeah. evening, I think we saw, I want to say we saw in the neighborhood of, of probably seven to nine deer that first evening. And then uh-huh. probably another, probably another six or seven that, uh, that next morning. I mean, it was just, it was great. But yeah, I did. I, I forgot yeah, about he, that. I got a little selective. And in the old days, God, there's some days we got there, we'd see 20, 30, 40 deer in the mornings and evenings. At one point, there was just so many deer out there. And and everyone goes back and forth on the population. But I mean, they've been out there a lot of years hunting them. And, and the population is definitely different than it used to be. But, uh, but that wasn't healthy for the herd either because it was pretty rough on them there for a Back in 2007 and eight, it was, there was just too many deer out there. So they whittled them away and that, that helps them. But yeah, usually you'll see, it's pretty rare not to see deer. <laughs> I can't think of a time I've ever went out on a morning, evening hunter during the day. You weren't finding deer. So, so they're, they're there. So one of the things, man, when, when I was there that stood out to me, right. And, and it, it really left, I mean, outside of the hunting and, and outside of how you guys treated us, um, being out there. But after we shot my buck, we, we were taking pictures and, uh, both you and I, the first thing was let's get rid of that tongue. That, yeah, that to me, man, I, I was sold. I was, I was 
Ben Myrie's fan forever with that because you don't, <laughs> there's just not enough care in my opinion. Right. And guys will argue it all day long, but there needs to be a level of care when we are putting that stuff out there, you know, on display. Right. Uh, so let's take the care. Let's respect uh, the animal. Absolutely. So that was one of the things, respect. man. That, yeah. Respecting it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut it's, you. Got, yeah. You got to respect the animal and, and you got to realize that people who, don't hunt whether they like it or not or do or don't are going to see those pictures and you're proud of those. And, and you know, when I see things on Instagram or Facebook where there's a tongue hanging out or blood running down the side, I just, for me, that's, that's a big turnoff. And, and I'll usually comment to people, I'll go, Hey, nice tongue hanging out just to let them, you know, it's no big deal to, um, make those animals look good. and 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 make them what they were in the field as best you can and give them that respect. And, um, <clears throat> you see that a lot. That's getting better though. Guys are getting better with that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You don't see a lot but of the, we're just, pictures. we're, yeah, we're, we're a hard target for those people that don't like what we're doing. So I don't give them anything. I don't have to. And, and there's times where my guys like bring in some, and sometimes you just can't help it. The animal got, hit wrong or things just didn't work right or you just couldn't make them look good and those pictures don't go out i just don't want those out there um i had a pig a couple of weeks ago that we just couldn't clean it up good enough to i even tried going black and white with it and it just looked bloody and there was nothing we could do it just it bled and i like those pictures out there for guys to see them because people like to see them but no it's not going to happen because i just don't want it that way so yeah, you owe that to the animal. And, uh, and you know, people are squeamish. <laughs> We're not, but those there are people are. And so, um, you gotta do it right. So, yeah, it's one of the things that stood out to me, man, on top of everything else, right? Of all things on a hunt like that, that was, you know, that was probably one of the most, that left one of the, the heaviest impressions. And I, I really appreciated oh, good. that. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no it was yeah i i appreciate it i think we uh, we're ambassadors yeah we we definitely are man definitely are so part of uh part of all that hunting out there man is you get uh you got like you said the families out there and you were able to take your your kids don't they uh they harvest every year huh? or got to this year i think yeah i uh my daughter she turned 12 in october and uh we'd been through hunter safety already last about a year ago um and so I said, Hey Brooke, this is your, this is your turn to get your first deer out here. So, and it actually was a whole family. We had a, the whole family went, we had a day off and we hiked on the spot. I call it, it's at right at the base of Orizaba, which is the highest point on the island. And, and I call it Jurassic park It's beautiful in there. It's just, it's not easy to hike into. It's, it's pretty rough. Most guys don't want to go there cause they're just, um, everybody's physically capable of going to those spots. But we, we got in there and, and, uh, I got her on a deer at about 180 yards and set her up and that was her first kill. So yeah, that was, those are pretty satisfying for a dad and, and the family, you know, the whole family to be there with my son, Chase, cause he shot a couple already out there and, uh, he didn't take one last year. He, uh, he tried and tried, um, he was just looking for the right deer. He was a little pickier than he should have been. So <laughs> That's all right, though. But I think he did it. He did take a doe out, if I remember right. 
the ears all blend together, but he did. <laughs> so we, deer we always try to do our part and take a couple, couple does out. So my wife, she says she likes to hunt, but she likes to hunt for bargains at the, at the <laughs> stores, not hunting out there. So she's okay with me hunting, but I don't think she'll ever pull the trigger. So <laughs> mine's the same way, man. She'll go out. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And they like to go along and see things out there and that's great. And, uh, but yeah, for me, that's a pretty big deal to have the family out there. If I had to leave home in Northern California and spend two, two and a half months out there without them, that'd be pretty tough. So they're still willing to do it. We've talked about other options, especially since kids are getting into high school now and it's not easy, but, um, our kids have grown up out there as just as like they have here at home. So they have as many friends out there as they do here. So it works. So nice. Put them to business, put them to work whenever I can. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yeah, some hours <laughs> grind. Yeah. Put the pack frame on. Let's go. Yep. And that, you know what? I noticed yeah. the trend after I left too. Um, what's that? I said, I noticed the trend after I left that Island too. Cause that, that following, I think the following two groups guys were packing out their, uh, helping pack out their deer. Cause that was a little odd for me, man. They do. I, I gotta tell you, I was like, I carried my pack the whole time. I was like, man, there's no way I'm letting somebody take everything out. I got it. <laughs> just a different experience. No, we'll you let, know? If guys want to jump in there, they can. Some guys, they're just, they know they're not going to be able to do it and they're not going to pack them out. A lot of guys want to help or pack the whole thing. And I'm not one of these guys that go, nope, it's my job. I'm packing them. Hey, if you want the experience, I'll save my back a little more wear and tear. You, you're more than welcome to do it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what you told me too. Oh, it's good for my back. <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean, it's steep country. Oh, it is. It's it's pretty rough out there. It's you can get yourself in a lot of trouble if you're not careful. As guides, you got to really size up your clients and make sure you don't take them in a spot they can't get out of because you can't get in a real wreck out there. It's steep and slippery and there's cactus and and there's great you know there's places to take easier hikes where you can walk ridges and it's not too bad and if the guy does happen to shoot something in the hole we can go get it for him but uh yeah all those things gotta come into consideration when you're guiding because uh guys can get and you don't want to hurt somebody and you don't want to take them on some blazing trek the first night first morning and ruin their feet and wear them out and then they can't get out of a truck. So you want to have that ability to, uh, to make sure you manage your, your hunt correctly. And that's a big, big part of guiding is sizing up your clients, what you can and can't do and how you joke with them and don't joke with them and, <laughs> <laughs> and make a good hunt for them. So, um, so that's a big part of it. Guiding is, uh, is um there's a lot of PR work that's that goes on there. You're you're that hunter's best buddy for the next two three days, and uh, you want things to go right, and you gotta be able to handle situations correctly. Not everything goes perfectly with hunting. We all know how things go. I mean, there's missed shots, there's bad shots, there's near misses, there's gun safety issues, there's just things that can happen, things that go wrong, and you have to be able to to navigate those. <laughs> uh, and make a good trip for everybody because yeah. you don't want people to go home uh, feeling like, wow, that was a horrible trip. That was such a dumbass. Or that guy was, you know, not not a good guide because 
things just didn't go right and go his way. It is hunting. We can't control everything, but, um, you know, you just got to get away out all those things and make sure it goes right. Goes best plan you can. And like I said, with, I know Ruth feeds our hunters really well and we try accommodations and places to stay for guys are a big deal to me just because, you know, in the guiding world, you can't control everything and the weather, the animals, those sort of things, but we can control certain things such as accommodations and giant food and vehicles and that sort of things. And yeah, (laughs) things that, you know, you control that, that you want there and, um, to make a good trip for guys. And that kind of speaks to itself as far as our repeat clientele. Cause I think this year I have like 98% of the guys from last year coming back. So yeah, hopefully I, I got a call that said I might be there again. So I'm crossing my fingers, man. Good. <laughs> crossing my fingers. So same time slot. That big one's probably still standing maybe down over the hill for I, you. I'm telling you, I think, I think that uh, he was taking that following week, man. I'm almost positive that that was that deer. <laughs> if I had to, if I, I was to it, huh? it, yeah, if I had to bet on it, I'd, yeah. I'd put a, I'd put quite a few bucks on that. So let's spin off yeah. a little bit, man. I mean, you know, managing that, that herd over there for as long as you have been, um, we, I'm not trying to bash the state, but we have, everything is emotionally based. Um, yeah. In my opinion, when we start looking at management schemes of, of all our wildlife. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yep. With, with your background. We manage the on emotion, not science. Right. So, so what's the importance <laughs> a lot of, times. of, of real management of, of, of science-based management? Well, you have to let fish and wildlife biologists and people like myself in the field make decisions because we're there. We see it. We're disconnected from the emotional part of it. We see the the facts. We see the, the deer counts, the, the weather, the habitat, the feed, the things that matter, that make a difference. So you, you need the professionals to be able to do their job. And in California, we're just, I, I've, I know a lot of great biologists and cow fish and fish and wildlife that they just kind of throw their hands up because they're, they're doing a lot of paperwork anymore and, and they're responding to things that they shouldn't have to, they should be let to do their job that they were trained in. And so, you know, we work with the Catalina Conservancy and they do an awesome job. I mean, they're a great organization to work with. They get it. They, they see the balance there. Um, they, they know we have to control the deer and, um, they're, they're great to work with for me anyway. And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because you go in a lot of places, public land, the state, you know, we, the predator hunting has pretty much been eliminated or there's, there's a constant assault on what we can and can't hunt trapping, those kind of things and varmints, predators, those all take a toll, you know, bear hunting, you know, bear hunting got set back with no use of dogs and not as many bear are taking anymore. We used to get to take, what, 1700 a year now. Um, and it's maybe 11 to 1300 deer or bears are taken in a season. I don't know what this last year's numbers were, but I mean, bears are tough on fawn recruitment. You know, these, these bear are out there during the spring. They're looking for those fawns and they're fast and they get them. Um, 
another, you know, factor I see kind of west of where I live out here. If I go and look at this country out here, you know, a lot of these cattle ranches are like, hey, there used to be just deer all over this place. And then I look at their places and there's just no riparian habitat left because the cattle have been allowed to go through there. And those deer really need those fawning areas where it's thick willows and, and heavy cover for them to get those fawns to grow and get get up on their feet and get going. So there's so many factors and just with vehicles and on certain roads and, um, you know, urban encroachment. It's just, it takes its toll and it's just hard for animals to recover. Yeah. And that cat that. population, and, I've seen more, I've seen more oh. cat sign and cats in the last, I'm going to say five years than I thought was possible yeah. in single areas. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It, and it's, it's becoming such an urban thing. I mean, they're in backyards and they're, I mean, we just had a bear yesterday at UC Davis. A cub came down into town and right at, I think it was right almost on UC Davis campus. They had to tranquilize and move it out. It's just, things are getting pushed out. But yeah, the cat population is, which we haven't been able to hunt them since, was it 91 or 80, 89, somewhere back, back there. And there's no recourse for it. There's no way to even manage them besides the depredation permits. So um, they take their toll, you know, they're going to kill a deer every time. And it's not like cats just, you know, prey on the, the weak and the sick ones. They, they're opportunists. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a big old buck walking under the tree on, they're going to take them out. It's not. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of factors against deer that, that make it tough for them in just certain areas. And that's where private management, you know, private land management comes in. It's just people are able to control some of the predators, not the mountain lions, but you get, you know, coyotes and things and you can kind of selectively take certain deer out and leave certain deer. And, but then that also <laughs> transfers over. It gets a lot more expensive to hunt there too, because they have the quality, but you got to pay for it. And that's just the ugly reality of our, of our world now, which is tough for people trying to get in, you know, get in there to hunt. And, you know, we have these draw zones that, you know, you put your points in for and try to get, but if you don't have max points, some of these, you're never going to get drawn. That's a real tough thing for new hunters, young hunters coming in. They're not going to have the points that these guys have had since they started the point system. So you're not going to get these premium hunts. So people go out of state. And it's looking, I mean, go elsewhere or they just don't hunt. Looking at it this year in some of the X zones, man, it's starting to look like maybe every five to seven years for a guy to get in some of those X zones. And I, and you know, five, six years ago, you might've been looking at every three to five years. So it's just, you know, worse and worse, man. It's it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. It's just not, yeah, that's that. And that's, we need, to recruit young hunters we need new hunters coming into the fold we need women hunting which has been a big push but we just need guys like us that want to hunt too mm-hmm. <laughs> that it. have just said you know and i just I'm, I'm not gonna hunt in california or i just it's too hard i'm not gonna get a tag it's not worth it and they quit and then it's kind of a snowball effect because then their kids or their grandkids they're not going to get to hunt because they're not going so it is you know i i know i was at a fishing game meeting a couple months ago and they're starting this R3 to regenerate kind of thing. It's going across the country 
and you know they're wanting to recruit i forget how it goes recruit regenerate and reactivate maybe it is to to get hunters back in the fold but you know i look i told the people at fishing fish and wildlife i go this is your fault for so long we've been you guys have not promoted hunting it's just been anti-hunting here left and right and now all of a sudden they're running out of money because they're funded by hunters (laughs) and it's yeah it's dropping off and it's not just here but it's happening across the country in different states where it's just they're like looking at the bottom line they're going we're gonna be out of business here in a few years because we don't have the hunters anymore because we're the ones putting putting money out there spending spending money on tags and hotels and taxes and um robertson Pittman act and all the every bullet and hook and gun we buy there's a tax on that that goes into wildlife conservation and and your people who would are out there enjoying the same things we are they're not putting the same kind of money in that we are and so unfortunately that's what it's coming to yeah so, with uh i believe the way that that money is appropriated through that that Pittman robertson is is landmass and license purchase right so california has huge landmass so between california and texas my understanding is we get the lion's share um but if uh-huh. we don't, if those numbers start to decline in, in that, in the license purchase, man, that, that money's going to start disappearing faster and faster too. So then we're in a bigger situation. It'll, it's going to, it's going to drift away. Absolutely. Yeah. So we need to recruit, but you got to give them some opportunities also. So I won't, I just bought all my kids tags for this year, hoping they get a junior hunt here or there. Chase has been, this would be his, third year putting in we haven't drawn anything yet uh brooke this is their first year so we'll see so hope i can live vicariously through them hopefully they get an antelope or an elk <laughs> yeah well i didn't i i just applied for my elk point this year man i have uh i want to say this is it's either i think it's 17 points with this year and i didn't i figured i have another two to three years before i draw and that's where you crazy. draw one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, that's crazy. a lot of donations, man. It is. Jeez. <laughs> well, I guess a I lot mean, of money. What is it for a point now? Nine ninety nine. I think when I first started, it was like six bucks and some change or something like that. And it's nine ninety nine yeah. for the point. Yeah. And you do that with buying, buying your license and all those things that add on to it. And it's a couple hundred bucks every time with your fishing license. And it adds up. It does. And for some families, that's, it's a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. Well, and then you were saying opportunity. Not a cheap sport. With with guys that want to stay in, man. I've you know been talking to guys that are just getting in, and I'm like, hey man, gra- grab that, grab a A zone tag. Um, yeah. You know, that that A zone tag is, in my opinion, is one of the best tags in the state. I mean, it covers probably just shy of a third of the state. You have you know north yeah. and south, yeah. and you have the longest season. Um, a li- really very liberal season. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the B zone's pretty good up where we are because yeah. it's it's longer. It's six weeks or so, and you can you do archery right into rifle. So there are the opportunities there. You just gotta put in the work. Yeah, be willing to go for it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, put you gotta work. work. It's not. I mean, by yeah. no stretch of the imagination is it easy to go out there and 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 get a buck. Um, so it definitely takes some some mm. preseason stuff going. But I think, like you know, like I said, A zone man, that's a great opportunity for guys. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of public land out there and 
Sometimes you got a boat where you can jump on, you know, on the Sacramento River here. We have lots of areas we can hunt, um, but you need a boat to get to them. But they're there. It's just you got to use your tools and take the opportunity and <laughs> be willing to, you know, especially if you're a beginning hunter, sometimes you're not always going to score the first year or two. And But enjoy the experience. That's part of it. Yes, sir. It is. That's, I mean, that's the best part when you, when you stop worrying about that tag, man, and just soaking it all in. Um, I think it actually makes you a better hunter, right? Because when you stop worrying about seeing an animal every time you're out, um, panicking or getting frustrated, you're learning every time you go, you're picking more and more up. Yeah. It's, and you see poor guys. I mean, they come out there and they, they paid for, uh, this hunt and they want to make sure it goes correctly. And, their wife was on because he spent three thousand bucks to go hunting. He better bring something home, and <laughs> you see the panic in their eyes, <laughs> especially when they miss something. <laughs> go, oh, you know, I feel for them, but they got to get over that. They got to go. Wow, this is great, just being being here, whether it's in California, Oregon, Washington, wherever. Enjoy that part of it because that's. I mean, there's as many good times sitting around a campfire as there are pulling the trigger in my book. Oh heck so, yeah. 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 I mean, the the stories and the camaraderie and the friends you make. Yeah, that's no, where it's I, at. But it's fun to get them too. No, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Mess yeah. icing on the cake for sure. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm non-discriminate, yeah. man. I, uh, you know, you get out there and you have your mind set on something and uh, it's not going your way, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not going to not notch that tag. <laughs> If, uh, if I see something a little smaller than I wanted to, man, but yeah, I've had a couple guys tell me, you know, I've been hunting for four years and I haven't got anything and, um, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I'm throwing in the towel, um, that, you know, guys start feeling like they're pulling away from their family time. They're spending money and they're not, you know, they're not, uh, connecting the dots and it's unfortunate, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta take a break and get away good for the soul <laughs> to get it get out there and just get away when it'll come when and, you um, expect it yeah right <laughs> walk around the corner there it is there it is there i tell is. guys hey we're out there hunting this it can happen in the first five minutes or the last five minutes you just don't know and enjoy it all in between it's kind of how mine went on cat yeah so yeah this year yeah, man, we pushed it oh, right sorry. to the end yeah we were right there well not yeah. to say i didn't have opportunity before right i like i said i got selective one <laughs> one i about <laughs> i about sounded like a baby's rattle man sending up there <laughs> on that ridge just shaking um so you guys started uh guiding some hog hunts man that's uh that's a big deal here in in uh our home state boy it is yeah i mean Pigs have always been, I think they're our number one game animal, at least numbers harvested, and uh, you can shoot them 365 days a year, so they're always there for you. And uh, so, yeah, you know, for 10 years when I worked back at Dye Creek there from in the 90s, we were doing from 120 to 150 pig hunts a year. I kind of got away from that, just did Catalina, and, and never really pushed it around here. And so last year, a friend and I, a piece of property came out available just west of Red Bluff and uh, it was 5,000 acres and we went out there, saw some pigs. So we leased it for a few years from the guy and 
just a place to take our kids and get away if we wanted to go shoot a pig and take a friend and go out. But the neighboring ranch, I kept seeing all these pigs over there. I go, good grief, these guys are getting ate up for these pigs over here. And, you know, and they're so destructive. These guys are a cattle ranch. And, and so I, the beauty of the internet, you can usually track down people eventually. So I kept working at it till I found the guy in charge and got a rapport with him and talked to him about it. And he goes, man, he goes, I'd love to have you in there today. He goes, I really want these pigs out of here, but the owners aren't, you know, hunting. They're just, they're a cattle operation. And, you know, some people just, either don't like hunting or they're skeptical of it, skeptical of outfitters. And, uh, so it, so I talked to him all last year and then I got off the Island this year in December, I dropped him an email and he said, Hey, he goes, we might get this thing to work. So it took me till, um, Oh, I guess it was March or so. And we finally got, got something down on paper. So I just got going in that. And, uh, this is such a wet winter. It was tough getting around out there because everything was just so wet. But we got we took some nice pigs on this place. So between the two ranches, now I've got twenty five thousand acres out there to hunt. So that's a lot of ground, <laughs> and it uh, still learning it, and just some big big pigs. It just um, hadn't been hunted for about fourteen years on a like a commercial basis or a hunting operation basis. A few of the ranch hands would shoot a pig here or there, but nothing um, to put a dent in them. And uh, so pretty neat to go out there and almost every time I go out there I'll see the boar or two with you know two three excuse me two three inch teeth coming out of his lower jaw there and those are pretty neat and guys you know if they want something on the wall or they want to get a meat pig that's um there's some big ones out there so yeah it's been fun so I'm kind of it's a little hot now the days are really long so we're going to wind it up for this year but once I get off Catalina next fall next winter we'll get started back up and get guys out there pig hunting because it's it's needed because uh especially after winter like this they will do really well and uh pig, pigs are pretty destructive and you know a lot of landowners they don't want them there and they don't they don't realize they're a, an income source for them also <laughs> there's guys want to pay to hunt them and uh guys that like to hunt so there's no shortage of hunters on looking for pigs so so that's exciting for us because that that's that's a good deal I'm kind of surprised to hear that though. 14 years, man. I mean, on a cattle ranch, okay, 25,000 acres. That's some, that's some property, but the way, I mean, pigs proliferate like crazy, right? I mean, you're talking 10, yeah. 14, you know, piglets. Um, I it just, that's, that's insane. Oh, it, 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 it can explode. I mean, there's so much country on the West side out there that pigs just disperse and spread out, but then again, when you have a ranch that's not doing any predator control, um, you know, coyotes, coyotes take out a lot of pigs. I've been watching uh, this ranch, and you watch the coyotes. They'll work those pigs over pretty good, get an old sow with six, seven piglets, and they finally get them running, and they can snag the last one or two out of the little herd. So um, that does keep them in check a little bit. But uh, it's definitely been growing on the west side of, of the valley, at least for us for pig numbers in the last few years. So, um, so I'm going to see what I can do to put a dent in it next year. Help with the help of a few guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there, but they're, they're, they're a good starter. You know, pig hunts great for kids or, or, uh, women who are just kind of getting into hunting. Cause you can, you can get close to them. Um, women don't always want to shoot deer. I mean, some do, but 
some will go, Oh, the big round eyes. I don't know if I can do that, but a pig that usually doesn't bother people as bad. Right. So nasty pig. Uh, pig hunting is a good starter hunt for people. Cause you usually see enough to, uh, you know, get the feel for being in on, you know, getting close to them and, and set up. And if you mess up, you can find more later deer, you know, deer hunting in California now is like, if you mess up on that first one, you may not see another one, but the pig hunting opportunity is a good one. And plus it's just, such a long, you know, year round hunt. So it's, it's, it's good for everybody. So, and plus the bow hunting opportunities on top of that, that's been probably the biggest thing for us. The guys just really want to bow hunt them. So they're fun to bow hunt, man. I love bow hunting. Oh, they are. Boy, they're, that's exciting. Yeah. I had a guy, he wasn't bow hunting a few couple of weeks ago, but rifle hunting and he hit one and wounded it. And it was just a big old sow, but she was over 200 pounds and she came after us and he shot her at six inches off the end of the gun barrel. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to, I go, what am I going to do here? Cause he's about to, na- that, that old sow is about to nail him. So I figured if it got past the gun, then I would try to do something to knock her down. Cause she was coming and she was mad. Oh, and they don't, but yeah. he did his job. He, <laughs> Nasty. He, he stayed solid and hit her. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and they and people don't realize. I, well, I shouldn't say people don't realize. I don't know how much they realize how aggressive they can be. Um, yeah. When you when you get up on them like that. Yeah, and you know I've guided well over a thousand pig hunts, and I've had very few do that. But occasionally, it can get it can get a little dicey. I've had a couple of close calls where you better be on your toes or you're going to get hurt. Yeah, I recently so. saw. I'm not sure where it was. I want to say it was Texas, but I'm I'm probably just thinking Texas because you know you think hogs, you think Texas. Um, where a guy got uh, a boar got him, and uh, man, the tusk just tore that dude up. His leg was just leg yeah. was bad, but it got his face, and it went from like the bottom bottom of his jaw up, you know, past right up under his eye, and I mean, just razor oh. sharp, man, sliced his face open. It looked nasty. Oh, they did. They, the teeth are, they are, they are that sharp. And then the infection that you can get from that. Yeah. It's, it's not good. They can rip and tear. That's, that's a, it's can be a really bad animal to <laughs> get on the wrong end of. Yeah. And yeah, that day the, the one came after us and I was like, I didn't have any sidearm with me. I'm like, no, it makes you think maybe I should carry something. But like I said, it's so rare that it happens that, um, I don't usually, don't usually worry about it, but you go sneaking around the brush after something wounded, you, you're taking, taking a little risk. So, but most time it's a pretty safe thing controlled and you get a couple hundred, you know, get within a couple hundred yards and then you can really sneak in on them if everything works right. And you can get to where people can just, you know, especially new hunters get in there, you can hear them breathing and enjoy that part of it. And the, the adrenaline rush and it's, it's, uh, It'll get a guy hooked. I, I have one, I remember years ago at Dye Creek, I had a guy, he'd never hunted at all. And he shot his first boar and we got in close and it was, you know, the adrenaline pumping pig thing you'd think it would be. And after that, his buddy, I go, hey, how come uh, William's not coming back this year? He goes, oh, he's off to Africa now. He goes, you created a monster. He goes, he's spending <laughs> a quarter million dollars a year hunting. Wow. <laughs> and it, and it happens. I mean, I just had a call yesterday from a guy from Southern California. He goes, I'm 71. I'm in good shape. I've been working out. He goes, I've shot, you know, guns most of my life. He goes, but I've never hunted. And he goes, I want to try that. And I want to get into hunting. And 
And uh, so you can start when you're 12 or you can go to your 71 or 90. I mean, I, I had a guy in Catalina who was 93 when he shot his last deer. So you just got to keep going as long as you can, but um, it's there for everybody. So, yeah, because yeah. was that uh, you had of a what was that gentleman's name that was there? He owns the off-road performance uh, place. Dang it! I think his name. I want to say his name was Tim. Oh, his name. Yes, Tim. Um, oh boy, I shouldn't remember his last name. He was a new client last year. He, uh, but I, yeah, he does off-road racing. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, I Tim Orchard. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yep. You want to talk about a dude that does some hunting? I mean, he went. <laughs> he went full throttle. Um. Yeah. That, that listen to him talk. And I actually talked about him on one of the podcasts before, cause I'll never forget his New oh, Zealand really? story. Yeah. Because he, he was telling me stories about New Zealand and stuff. We're sitting there talking and he's like, yeah, I'm out there. Weather was bad. We couldn't pack up. You know, um, they said the only way was to fly yeah. in. He looked over, saw the helicopter and said, well, whose is that? <laughs> and I'm like, damn, that's in <laughs> <good> pockets, man. <laughs> I know. And then to see the, the money, pictures, you can do what you want. Yeah. Sometimes. And then to see the pictures of of some of the hunts he's been on and some of the animals that he's taken, man. I mean, you want to talk about dream status stuff. It's just like, oof. yeah, Unbelievable. no, to get those opportunities and take advantage of it. That's that's an awesome position to be in. So, but you know, like for on Catalina, I, I got guys that save up their money all year, and that's their one hunt of the year. And then there's guys there on a circuit. They're heading from there. They're going somewhere else to hunt. So. For the most part, at least on Catalina, though, it's it's more just us regular guys that, you know, go on a couple hunts a year and work hard and take care of the family and get away here and there to go hunting, which I think that's a lot of us. But there's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of guys out there that they just get on the run and they hunt. So We're going to tangent here a bit off the pig. But so while we're talking about that, right, there's there's that guided unguided diy you know you're lesser of a man if you're uh going on a guided hunt or if you're hunting private land versus public land um yeah it's all shenanigan bullshit in yeah. my opinion <laughs> yeah there's a there's that stigma to it but um man some guys just i mean they work a lot and they just don't have the time to scout and put in the time that we as outfitters and guides do to do the things that they would be doing normally to, to locate animals, know where they're going to, going to be at and where to hunt. And, and so they work, so they're able to pay for that. And that doesn't make them any difference. I mean, I got some guys that they could easily, they do hunt on their own and they're just as success, successful without a guide as they are with a guide. So, um, if you can do it yourself and get out there and you have the time, but it takes time and, and anymore people just don't have that kind of time, especially when you got kids and a family. It's, it's a little more difficult to get out there every weekend and go scouting and drive, drive 200 miles on Friday and scout all weekend and be back to work on Monday. That's not always an easy thing. And so you don't, I mean, guided hunts aren't for everybody. That's, I mean, I know that, but, I've had guys who've never been on a guided hunt that have hunted on their own all, all their lives and really enjoyed it and said, hey, this is an awesome experience. And they learn something, too. You can learn stuff from a guide just like you 
can learning it on your own or reading the book. So, oh man, I did. Um, I did. I, and I was that guy, you know, come over there. And like I said, it was a little odd for me. I'm like, this is, this is a little bit different than what I'm used to, but man, I'm chomping at the yeah. bit to get back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and a guy learns to sit down in glass and, and use binoculars and spotting scopes and take some patience where some guys just take off and go and, you know, I, I, I took a guy, uh, two weeks ago and he's an outdoor writer and I'm surprised this guy's ever killed anything on his own. He's been writing a long time, but he just didn't get the, Hey, you kind of got to keep your voice down and use your hunting skills and your stealth. And I'm like, after a while, I just gave up on the guy. I go, Hey, let's, we were in a Polaris Ranger and I, we pulled up to an area. I go, Hey, let's hike up to this pond here. And those pigs hang around here and we get out of the thing and he starts talking as loud as he can be. I might as well just loaded him up and kept on going. So <laughs> there are things you can learn from, from other people and observe and go, Hey, maybe I shouldn't be so loud and noisy. Cause I don't know how that guy ever gets a story out. <laughs> Long range shooting. I was like, good grief. He couldn't kill himself. <laughs> Much less an animal. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's in, that's got to be an interesting thing too, right? Is is all the different tactics people must come with, and uh, approaches, and badass habits that that has to be that's a skill set in its own. Outs, I mean, that's part of guiding, right? Is not just the getting them on the animal, but, but dealing with all that personality and, and things that people, you know, develop oh, over years that that's gotta be uh interesting, it, man. It is. And yeah, there, there's times where you just want to pull your hair out and tell a guy, Hey, look, <laughs> there's a reason I'm in the business and we kill stuff. <laughs> Listen to me, but you know, and everybody hunts different, everybody guides different. You know, there's, there's times where like, you know, like when Tom and I went with, you know, I jumped in with you guys and, and we went and Tom hunts a little different than I do. And, and so there's things, sometimes you step back and go, Hey, let him do his thing. Cause you look at a deer and you go, Hey, I'm going to go around this way. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm going to go this way. <laughs> you know, it's just different, but you got to learn from each other. And, and, uh, and well, yeah, putting the personalities together. Sometimes it's like I said, you know, when, when clients come in, you, kind of I've gotten to know most of all of mine because they've been coming for so many years but you get new guys and you gotta learn them and and like I said see who you can joke with and and how you who you're gonna watch for swinging the gun barrel around and how they're gonna handle themselves I mean the best thing we do is after you know hunters come in and we have our lunch and get our tags and all our paperwork and make sure we're all legal and legit and have our and I do this on every hunt is you know have a pre-hunt safety hunt and what you know what the hunt's about what's going to happen out there and but getting getting guys to the range just to check guns i mean it's so important just to you never know what happens to a gun and you can really read a hunter by just by how he handles himself at the gun range you know how they're taking care of their gun and walking around with the gun how they're talking how they're shooting and <laughs> getting set up and that helps you know a guide kind of figure things out also and put two and two together and some guys, well, you can, you know, you're riding or you might have hours and hours of riding or being with them and coming up with conversations. Some guys, they'll talk your ears off and 
some guys they don't say much and you just kind of roll with it and and like I said you're you're their buddy for those few days and you want them to be successful and you want to do it right and do it ethically and and legally and all those good things so but yeah, uh I didn't even yeah there's some challenges that. there's some there's there's some days where I go oh boy I need a break <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time it's it's just fun I mean you just enjoy it and like I said it's kind of not fair sometimes that we get to do what we do by guiding and they pay us to go do it because you get to hunt I anticipate it and look forward to it every year and it's 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 a long operation that we run out there but um, you look forward to it and then there's a lot of outfitters you know all through the west and you know they're bouncing from place to place and it's two three months you can make your money then so that's that's your window and you got to do it so so you you brought up something and I didn't think about it until until you uh, said that, and it is—it's oddly intimidating. Even if you're confident in your shot to go to that range, and you got three guides and <laughs> a group of six, seven guys with you, and you got to step up to that bench and pull the trigger. Oh, and I, I didn't even think about is. that until you said it, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. That, that is yeah. a little bit intimidating." <laughs> It is, and and there's times where I gotta check myself and go, hey, these poor guys, there, you you go through this whole thing, and they've anticipated this hunt for weeks and months and a year, and you go, hey, there's a deer over there, and I I know, and I go, oh, that's that looks like a good buck, and hey, we're gonna go over here, and, and I, and my heart doesn't race, but I know theirs go, oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> now now I gotta get, I gotta do this, I gotta shoot this, and. Um, this guy's getting me in there and, and he's doing his job. Now I got to do mine. And it's, I, I try to put myself in guys' shoes at times, just go, Hey, these poor guys, they're nervous and I get it. And when a guy misses or, um, things don't go right, you can't beat those poor guys up because they're already beating themselves up on the inside. And it, you know, that's, <laughs> it doesn't help me to, me to show frustration and go, you know, it's, it's when guys do things that you didn't want them to do and they've missed four or five. I had a guy last year, he missed five deer and I still just go, well, let's keep going. Let's go to the next one. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a, it is a check for guys for, for a guide. You have to remember that there's something they do once a year maybe, and maybe they've never done it. And I went to a couple, a couple of years ago, I went to Texas and went odd ed hunting man, I practice for weeks because I go, hey, I'm on the other end of this deal. I'm getting guided now, and <laughs> I don't go on guided hunts. This, that was probably my first real guided hunt ever. I go, I got to make sure this. I don't look like the idiot. <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> I practice and practice, and it paid off. But uh, um, And you get guys that show up that they just took the gun out of the box or out of the closet, and they'd been in there for seven years since his grandpa shot it. and. I go, hey, do you guys practice much? Oh, no, we're fine. And sometimes it shows. Sometimes they, they do good. But it's better if you can run a few rounds through your gun before you get there. Work the, work the bugs out. Know what your gun is doing. That was kind of my deal when I when we got on my buck, man. And uh, I'm going to put myself on blast on my podcast here. But, uh, you know, the first one I caught that shakes on, we found that uh, that second one there. And... Uh, Man, I to this day I don't I, I swear that uh, 
I have to I have to check my rifle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can blame you can first off you got to blame it on the rifle then you can go to you. <laughs> uh, man, I I I swear I cannot to this and I haven't brought it back out. I haven't I took it out bear hunting um I think one weekend just trying to get just trying to get some time in the woods. Uh, but like I was telling you, I've I've shot single shot for years and I pride myself on hitting the mark. And when we got there, you know, like I said, I was, I think elevation, I was perfect. And I was off maybe half inch, inch to the left when we were at the range. Yeah. And uh, man, we got on that damn buck, man. And I'll never forget, you know, I racked it. Boom. <laughs> I was, and I wasn't, I wasn't buck fevered out. I was nice and prone. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell racked. I turned around. I looked, why the fuck am I missing? I don't know what's going on. It was crazy, another shell and he's still there. Yeah, it was. And yeah. And the dummy he, that that deer would still be alive if he was a little bit smarter, man. I I have no idea. I have no idea. I, You know, I'm going to I got to go and, and prove to myself that it was uh, that it was that rifle and not me. Right. <laughs> I'm going to get to the range here pretty quick. We don't got need to. Someone needs to turn turn your scope for you before yeah. you get there, and then then oh, man. then you got your excuse. You're yeah. good. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Oh, it, it happens. Funny. It happens to the best of us oh, for man. sure. That was the funny, and I've never in all my years I have never had that situation. So to go through that, it, it's humbling. It, it's an eye opener. Like, damn, this could yeah. happen. You know what I mean? At any point, it was nuts, nuts. Yeah, it it can. So now that I put myself out yeah. there. <laughs> well, hopefully you get a chance to redeem yourself this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be a. No, I'm not going to even say anything, man. I'm going to knock on wood right now. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to open go. my mouth. No way. No way. I'll take a dough. I'm fine. Yeah, that's it. I. You know what yeah. I, I really want to do is, man, to archery hunt that island would be, oh, man. I don't even know that that uh, that area in the back. What was the name of it? I forgot it that fast. Salta Verde. The Salta Verde country. Oh, man. And that's probably the best way to hunt that because it's so big and open. And it's you start hiking through there and it's just so rough. And there's cactus patches and little drainages and draws and cliffs. and um, But there's deer in there. And there there's some big deer in there. But it's, it's a tough one to hunt. But it's beautiful country. And then the west end of the island is beautiful also. It's. Got some steep, steep, magnificent country back there that's fun hunting. And we've kicked around. It's just the time thing, and you know our bow hunters just don't kill a lot of deer. And the whole thing, you know, the time frame that we have is to is to try to you know reach our reach our numbers on our deer. And so, but I've, I've kicked around and I still may do it of just setting up some bow hunt at a camp of just bow hunters only. And trying that route just to give guys that opportunity. Catalina is tough to bow hunt. It's not easy, but that's, that's um, exactly why it. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not easy. I've I think in the eighteen year, seventeen years I've been doing this. Um, I think I've seen two guys kill a a buck with a with a bow that 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 stuck to it and just said, "Hey, I'm not going to use a rifle. I'm going to bow hunt." And I've had no, numerous guys who you know got in on them and missed them and just it didn't work but you know the time frame short you know two to three days and, and so that that can hinder you if things don't work then you gotta reroute yourself and go try to find another one and, but uh 
No, I, I find arrows every year on the island from the old days of when they were hunting the, you know, the goats and the pigs out there, especially, uh, the good old days. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a long history of, of bow hunting on the island. Yeah. That's uh, up there. If you ever do that, man, you got to let me know. Cause that, yeah. that, I don't think yep. I would let that opportunity ride that, uh, yeah, that would be just a crazy experience. Like you said, that West end, I don't know, man, that West end, that's that it gets GD F and steep. It gets man. big. Yeah, it is. It's big. Some of it that is just, I mean, you look down and you're like, damn, you know, are we even looking for deer? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a long, there's a lot of times guys be like, what are you looking down there for? <laughs> well, I've seen deer down there. Well, you can keep going if you want, because they don't want to go either. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it damn near looks vertical from some of those angles. It is. Some of it pretty much is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's neat though. So real yeah. quick, jump back on the the hog thing, man. How is that? Uh, how does the public land opportunity up there outside of those properties that you're uh, you're guiding on? How is that stuff looking? Um. You know, there's a few hunts Fish and Wildlife puts on where you can draw tags for down like Grizzly Island and around some of those lakes, um, Berryessa and around there. But, I mean, there's some guys that go and get a few pigs, but it's mostly private land hunting for pigs. But um, it's just not easy. You know, I know what happens on public land is you'll get, you know, because when you're, when you're guiding on private land, no one wants to shoot a, a big old pregnant sow or a sow with babies, you know, little guys on the ground. And I think on public land guys see pigs and, you know, they just, they shoot them. And sometimes they did good and shot the right pig. And sometimes they did. And I, and I think those pigs get harassed enough, the wrong pig shot. And you just end up not having that many pigs on public ground. And it seems like it's, it's never been really good quality, but there are some areas, but, not much. So most of the land west of like Red Bluff, Corning, and Willows and that country, it's almost all private in those foothills. That's where the pigs are. Once you get into that chemise country and that chaparral, there'll be some pigs in there, but there there's not a lot. So they're mostly in all that ranch land that's that's all private. So Yeah, that was um, that's one of my tricks, so, man, is to is to find that private that gets pressure and, uh, you know, get on those little pieces of BLM that are scattered about yeah. and, you know, hopefully that pressure is pushing them off to that BLM land. That's, that's something kind of around there. Yeah. 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 It's hard. I mean, he, I mean, you go and pass Robles country and on the central coast and it's just lots of private land. So it's just hard to get that access to it. Unless you pay or, you know, somebody that's, that's the name of the game. Yeah. You're paying. Yeah, so, you are paying. That yeah. price has crept up over but, the years, pretty substantial too. It has, you know, but, and I used to get phone calls of guys that call and go, Hey, what's this years ago at Dye Creek. And back then we were charging 550 bucks for a come in Friday night and hunt Saturday, Sunday and meals and a place to stay. And guys go, Oh, I can't pay that. That's too much. That's too expensive. I go, well, how many times have you been pig hunting? Oh, I've, I've been out three times. Well, Where'd you go? Oh, on public land. I go, how many pigs do you see? Well, none. I go, how much money do you spend? Taking time off and sleeping in the back of your truck and cooking your meals and that. I go, if you come with us, yeah, you're going to pay 550 bucks, but you're going to, you're going to get an animal. 
and you're going to enjoy it and you get to go home with an experience. So you kind of got to weigh those things out. Yeah. Pig hunting's crept up. I mean, I've been, these hunts have been doing out here. We've been charging 850 bucks for them. Um, and next year, if I get the housing thing all secured and, and place where the guys can just roll in and sleep in a bed and have a meal and, and go get a pig or two, you know, it's probably going to cost thousand bucks, 1100 bucks, something like that. And that's kind of the going rate for it anymore. So, but our costs all go up too. you know, fuel is not cheap and guides and food to do it all right. You know, it costs money and the, all the landowners, they want their cut, you know, they're going to take a two, $300 a pig from you. So, you know, it, it adds up too. So, um, it's all relevant. Yeah. But it's how bad you want to go out um, there after them. Cause you can go years yeah. and not see them. Nothing. Yeah. And beat yourself out, out there. And, and, you know, a lot of guys that are, are first starting out and they're going on public land, they don't see any pigs, but they don't know how to find them either. And, and looking for sign and being quiet. And so go with a guide and learn something, then go on your own. It might be where there's a price to education. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. It, it costs money to be educated. So go with somebody, learn, learn what they do and why they're successful and then apply that to yourself and go off on your own. You know, go to school because uh, you guys are putting. You can in, learn stuff from guides. Yeah, well, yeah, heck yeah, you're putting in all that time, that scouting, and I mean, you're not just going okay. There's pigs over here, right? I mean, you guys are putting in time to see what, uh, what and why, right? What well, they're eating and where right. the water is, and, and and yeah, and if they leave here, where are they going? What ridge have they been? You know, they get on a pattern and go, hey, we're going to go down here because they're coming this way, and um. Yeah, there's a lot to learn about pigs, and then you get the big old boars. They kind of roam around on their own and do their own thing until a sow comes in heat. And then, um, but a lot of pigs just pattern, go to certain areas, and they find stuff they like, and keep going there day after day. You'll run into them. So, and the, gotta learn those things. What's your opinion? My my opinion of the boars, man, is that they're random, right? Unless, like you said, unless that sow's in heat, man. I've seen more times than not that it is that's probably the hardest animal to pattern that I've ever chased. I think them things are just, they they are random. They're just where they want to be. Yeah. They just go where they want to be and follow their nose and the food. And, um, you see one day in one spot, that doesn't mean you're going to see them there the next day because they could be two miles. And I've seen pigs travel miles in a day to where, you know, they get pushed or they just move and they can move at a quick pace and be, three, four or five miles away from where you saw them before. So yeah, the big, big boars, you know, they get, they're susceptible to the sow. <laughs> sow comes in heat. They're like all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain kind of fries and you're not paying attention and you get Done shot. Deal. Yep. But, um, but yeah, the random boar there, they can, um, they're a neat trophy to get, you know, if you can sneak up and get them, they're fun. Yeah. I blew one. Yeah. When did I go out? That must've been a month and a half ago. I think it was right, maybe the second week of turkey season, I went out, man, and I, I glassed one and kind of, I don't know. I think I, at this point I'm, I'm saying I rushed it. I should have let him do his thing, watched him, and I uh, dropped in the ridge thinking I was going to, you know, we were just going to run into each other basically. And when I got down, uh-huh. I didn't notice a finger ridge coming in that separated us um, as I was booking it down, right? It was just, you know, thick cover. Man, I got in the bottom and I don't know, four hours. I waited and looked around and went back up. <laughs> and 
could just could not I could not find him. Couldn't see any sign. It was just too thick, man. You you talk about an animal. You know, a big pig is standing what two and a half, three feet at his shoulder, and you got all this overgrowth yeah. that you know five, six feet tall. It's a done deal. Yeah, and they go lay down in there, and then it's over. It's hard to find them. I don't, as a rule, if man, if I see pigs, I don't want to get on as soon as I can because you let them out of your sight too long, and they can change directions on you, and they're gone, mm-hmm. and they just feed at a fast pace and then they're out of your space and you're gone. It's they're, amazing. they're out of there. Yeah, so, and they disappear on you. I mean, they just, it's like, what's yeah, that one. I mean, he had me puzzled, man. I'm like, there's no, you know, unless he turned around, it, it was just amazing. I couldn't find anything on him. It was like, I never saw him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a reason they get big, you know, they don't keep patterning the same place all the time and they're doing different things. And next thing you know, they're, they're big and they're they're an incredible animal and they're that big and big teeth and torn up ears and you can really see the character in a pig that's been around for six seven eight years. Those are those are those are battle axes. Those ones are fun so, to hunt. So the 2019 season, man. So you got your Catalina trips. Um, you said you're pretty much 98 percent of the guys coming it, back, right? So that list is full. Yeah, much, huh? we're we're full up for next year already. And, um, I'm going to start things off September 1st, do a dove hunt on a rancher's land here close. Cause that's a pretty big deal. Kind of kick off the hunting season for everybody. And then we'll head to Catalina. I think, uh, I'll be going out there September 11th and we'll get to hunting in the middle of the month and, um, and finish up just before Thanksgiving. So that's kind of our, our uh, schedule we've been on for quite a few years now, that kind of that time frame there. And so, yeah, we're full up for Catalina. And then exciting thing is now I get to come back home and, and uh, do some pig hunts once December gets here, do, do pigs in December, January, February, March, April, and probably into May and try to get away with the kids middle between Christmas and New Year's, go back to Colorado and shoot a couple cow elk. They like to do that. And that's pretty fun hunt. And, uh, Never know, I might get drawn for some California tag. I put it for the G3 every year because that's December. And I know I can go on that one, but that's a long shot. <laughs> get that one. But uh, yeah, then I I had a great turkey hunting spot for the last, geez, 18 years here, just to the west of me. But the landowner finally sold his ranch, and uh, so that kind of killed my turkey hunting. So I'm open by next next spring to have another good turkey spot because there's a lot of those around lots of guys like to hunt turkeys so yeah that's, so, uh, that's anyways, a whole can of worms right there man <laughs> oh boy yeah i've learned boy if there's anything you learn a lot on that's a turkey <laughs> oh my goodness i i think they're underestimated <laughs> they can they really put you through the paces i mean it just uh uh you learn and learn and learn from a turkey <laughs> learn how to lose not the smartest animal in the world but they're pretty wary oh man and and the and i keep saying it but they have in my opinion they have the best eyes in the woods oh yeah without a doubt they pick up things i mean i've had a guy wearing glasses where the sun just hits the glass for a second and boom there you wonder why they're gone and then i look at the guy go i know why they're gone they do they pick up everything that movement sometimes it's just stupid how dumb they are they come blowing into you but um, so if you want those big old birds, they're, they're, uh, 
they're pretty smart and so they've been hunted at all. And then there's days you can call them and call them and they just don't want to come. And then two days later, that same bird just comes blowing right into you. So sometimes it's hard to figure, but yeah, they do have good eyesight. Yeah. I, I, well, I haven't hunted them in fall in years, man. That I don't think I ever had maybe one. No, I don't think I ever had a successful fall season on them. It's always spring. Yeah. It's a whole different, whole different deal. Yeah. The spring is the fun part. And, uh, and you just wouldn't think something like a, a bird would come in and get a guy's adrenaline pumping like it would, almost like a, a bugling elk coming in when that, that turkey's coming in at 10 yards, gobbling his head off. Boy, guys, just I learned as a guide to sit right next to my hunter. Because <laughs> if you sit too far away, they just sometimes they just lock up and they can't do anything because they just get that <laughs> turkey fever. <laughs> they can't do anything or they move wrong and you go, hey, you can't move. You got to. I did that years ago, sat too. I sat behind the guy about 10 feet. I go, I'm going to call him in the decoy. And boy, he blew that thing up in no time. It was no good. So I go, all right, from now on, sit right beside him. You got to talk to him. Got to talk him through it. <laughs> Headshot, buddy. <laughs> it's just like guiding deer too. I was just learning you can't. Some guys you're okay. They kind of do their own thing. But some boy, you know, you'll see five deer on the side of the hill and you'll say, hey, shoot the one on the left. And you look down their gun barrel and they're, they're aiming at the one on the right. Cause that's the only deer they see. They don't see five. They see one. <laughs> I've learned, I watch barrels. You watch everything go, oh, no, no, no. And you say, Hey, you know, you want the one on the left and then they'll move to the right. And you go, no, your other left. Your other, Keep going yeah. back to the left. <laughs> well, that, there that's you that, go. Shoot yeah, that one. That's that proven time, right? Oh, it's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's all good. It's all fun though. So how do keep uh, that in mind? How do guys, you know, if they wanted that opportunity at Catalina, man, what do you what do you suggest? Getting a hold of you a couple years early? Is there a, you know? Yeah, I just I put guys. I have a a waiting list, and honestly, probably the best way to get to Catalina is you know it's the number of hunters that we put out there. There's always going to be a cancellation here or there. You know, life happens, and someone can't make it for some reason or another. And I'll go down my list and sometimes it may be two days out or a week out or, you know, I can call up guys and go, Hey, the spot open up, are you available next week? And some guys can, and some guys can't. So once I can get you in there, then I try to keep guys. If you're there that year, then I always try to get you back the next year. So, um, but otherwise I just tell guys, Hey, just, you know, you never know. I'll put you on a list and start going down the list of spots open up and, and, uh, Try to get everybody out there. I feel bad. I can't get everybody out there, but it's just the way it is. So, um, you know, I've got my guys that have stuck with me through thick and thin, and they always get first chance back, and they always come back. So, so there so. it is. Um, so, man, I do a I do a little thing on here, man. It's called the conservation quick, right? It's a one to two minute deal. Your take on conservation, um, what we should be doing, or our part um is you know is buying a tag and a license uh is that stuff enough so you know give us your give us your one to two minute deal on conservation man i mean conservation you know i look at myself as an environmentalist i'm just a little different than the ones that we see see on television and that are against what we're doing i care about the environment i want 
clean water and blue skies and the whole deal just like anybody else. But I know it has to be managed. I know game has to be managed. Um, and that takes money and it takes time. And, you know, you hope your state fish and wildlife agencies are doing a good job best they can. I know a lot of them, their hands are tied just with bureaucracy, which doesn't help wildlife at all. But, you know, I still buy all my tags. I go to some of the, the dinners and I donate things here and there, you know, cause I know that money goes on the ground. I, I know the California deer association tries to put as much money as they can on the ground for different projects. Uh, some, so I like, I like to support them, um, put, putting some money there, but also things, you know, I, I donate my time to the, my, our County fish and wildlife commission here. And we put money out there for kids, you know, just to give kids a chance to see what it's about. Uh, we put, um, we have a program with trout in the classroom we tried this year. So four different schools, we had fish tanks we put in there and we hatched out steelhead and that the kids got to put back in the river. And so I think the education is a huge part of conservation. We need that there because I mean, us old guys, yeah, we know about it and, but we're going to be gone at some point, but you got to keep the young people interested in it. And, you know, we sponsor some kids in the outdoors. So they get to these, go to these camps and get to get their hunter safety and shoot a gun and shoot a bow and learn how to make a fire. And, and if someone can mentor a kid, you know, that shows the interest, not everybody's going to want to hunt, but if you can show some, see a kid that uh, shows interest in it, you can get them out in the field and take them, do it. You might change, you might change their whole world for them to, to get them into conservation. Um, you know, spending the money is one thing, but putting your time in and, and mentoring somebody, I think is a big deal also. Um, it's just, it's there, there's just not a lot of opportunities for kids anymore to hunt. So if you can take a kid out there and get them in the field, and like I said, they're not all going to take to it, but heck get one of them to do it. And you just created something else that may pass on to something bigger down the road because we don't have a lot of support in our political um, realm in this state. And, uh, I mean, like my son, I right off the bat soon, he got his hunter safety at nine and I bought him a lifetime license, but sometimes I wonder if that's going to be a, a good, uh, good investment. Cause we may not have hunting in California here in, in 20 years. I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it's going. So yeah, it's scary. Man. We got to We got to support and stick together. You know, I'm, I mean, I don't, hunt bears a lot and I never hunted bears with dogs and those sort of things. It wasn't really my thing, but we still need to all support each other. Um, because once they get those guys gone, then they're going to go for the next one. And then, you know, they just tried to outlaw that they're trying to get rid of the bobcat thing. So where we couldn't trap or shoot a bobcat, you know, it's always something that they're going to go after. So, um, we need as hunters, you know, you know, we got, we got to be diligent and be out there. So, um, so any, uh, how do, how do folks get a hold of you for the pig or if they want to get on that, uh, get on that waiting list there for cat? Um, the best way is to call me, which is my phone number five, three, zero five, one, nine, four, nine, zero two. Um, I do have a website. It's, 
um, wildlifewestinc.com. And I'll be honest, I don't update that a whole lot because I get just bombarded with stuff. And so I need, we're going back around getting that caught up into uh, current pictures and all that sort of thing. And I do some Instagram. I'm at, at Wildlife West Ben. And so guys can follow me there. And I try to post things with the hunt, especially the hunting season and everyday life. We were on the river the other night catching some shad and dropping having some down fun shirts. down there. So I, <laughs> yeah, dropping it down shirts and having fun with your buddies. That's what it's all about. So, <laughs> so up when I, saw I mean, social media is where it's at now. Everybody's, you know, social media. So you kind of got to be out there with that. So, um, but, uh, yeah, guys just need to get a hold of me and I'll do the best I can to at least tell you about, tell you what's going on and, and, uh, see if I can get you out there somewhere. So the pigs will be a good opportunity next winter because we're not booked up at all. And now we're just kind of setting out a schedule for next year, but I get a list going and like I said, Catalina is just uh get you on a list. And then if something opens up, I give you a call, get you out there. So good deal, man. So anything in closing, you got everything out there. I think we covered quite a bit, man. Yeah. I think we got her pretty well covered, but summer's here and get out and enjoy it because hunting season is going to be here fast <laughs> man less than less it's than amazing how days. quick it comes back around yeah it comes around quick again like you were saying a zone opens up so if new guys want to get out there and hunt and try it a zone is going to be here pretty soon so do it and get your hunter safety and get out in the field we need it i'm itching yeah. i am itching i can't wait <laughs> i know hey it comes around, you just start craving it. It's uh, I get off the island, you've been hunting for three months, and you get off the island, and I'm like, well, I could use a break. And about two weeks later, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go again. I need to get back outside and go. Yeah, and you're Didn't not allowed to go. You want to go? That's a heck of a statement, right? Because you're not even you're not even hunting there. Your guy did. <laughs> yeah, that's a heck of a statement. <laughs> Shoot. Good deal, man. Well, I uh, yeah, I'm glad we got on, man. I appreciate the time. Um. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I really appreciate appreciate the opportunity, and hopefully, get to see you this fall on the island and uh, do it again. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers, man. I see your stuff. You're always heading up to Wyoming and getting out of here, going doing going doing your thing. So that's good. Yeah, I gotta, gotta go. I gotta feed the. I gotta feed yeah. the giant, man. <laughs> yeah, only so much traffic drives you back to the back to the outdoors oh man <laughs> don't get me going on that one again <laughs> good deal man yeah. well, I, like i said man i appreciate the time and yeah i hope to be there uh on cat if not you know like i said i want to talk to you about the pig hunt and getting some guys up there um you know yep. probably early spring next year so we'll be definitely talking about that sounds good well i appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk to you and and hash things out. That's what we got to do. Yes, sir. Just stay, stay out there. Thank you. You can catch up with Ben and to learn more about Wildlife West, head over to Instagram at Wildlife West Ben or www.wildlifewestincorporated.com. You can also reach Ben at 530-519-4902. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.